da, da, da. Sup, everyone. How are we doing? What is going on? Is this the weirdest country in the world right now? The answer is yes. But uh, as always, here to help you make sense of the senseless, I am with a beer in hand and a song in my heart. Let's fucking do this. Let's get into this. Let's start the show once more. The show that grabs politics by the face and slaps it round the chops with a demeaning wet kipper. Welcome, welcome to Abe Thompson and other disappointments. Um, first off, big thanks to those of you who managed to get on the Patreon ahead of our first ever meetup tomorrow in East London. Uh, I suppose I could... I could say the name of the venue now, can't I? Because by the time this goes out to Spotify and Apple, because it's like two-day delay, right? goes out to Patreons first, then it goes out to Spotify and Apple. By the time it goes out to most of you that hear this, it would have, like, the meetup would have already happened. It's happening tomorrow, so, you know? So, yeah, so it's in Brick Lane, and it's in a place called Brick Lane Tap Rooms. And by the time you hear this, most of you... Uh, you will, you know, it, it would have happened and it was a jolly good time. You've missed out. You kind of fucked up here a little bit. Um, but there will be others. We're going to do some more events uh, in the not too distant future. In fact, me and Supertansky are talking about doing a sort of comedy night, like a, a stand up ticketed thing that's going to happen in, uh, I think, in February. Can't remember the exact date. We're still working it out at the moment. So there will be other stuff, but. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel quite, uh, what's the word? Quite drunk on the potential of this show at the moment. You know, like it's gone from nothing to, um, well, I mean, it's still pretty much nothing. It's still, it's still a 41 year old guy talking to himself in a shed, ranting about politics, life, love and the universe. But you know, we got a nice little nice little community around it it feels you know the patreon backers are all on a discord chat you know we all talk about politics and share memes and we're doing these meetups and and there's a special um i don't know if you like how technical everyone is listening to this but uh there's a, a special rss feed right which is like a url that you can put into your podcast player and then that's how you get the podcast episodes like two days ahead of everyone else so you know you get one of them and you get credited at the end of the shows it just i don't know it feels like a nice little community that's sort of baby steps you know it's it's slowly growing but it's it's a lot of fun i'm really having a lot of fun putting these shows together at the moment so i don't know i think like once it gets to 25 backers i think i'll start doing patreon only sections of the pod you know there'll still be an hour long but there'll be an extra 15 minutes for patreons at the end that's the next goal we're on like fucking what am i on now 14 backers that's pretty good for a show that's been going like a year 14 backers is more backers than some people's tory leadership campaign managed <laughs> anyway look it feels good feels like we're on the right track and thank you to everyone for for being a part of this uh you know this this cult that i am slowly building over here uh what's going on in the news right now let's let's tear into this with the passion of a celtic drunk warrior uh sunak is pm now sworn in yesterday that's tuesday uh depending on what you know what day of the week you're listening to this um sunak is our, our prime minister uh 
Uh, and I don't want to be one of these people that just, you know, instinctively hates him. Right? You know, cartoon-like. Because he's a Tory. Ugh, you know? There's a definite element in my in my mind where I, you know, I talk to myself and I'm like, come on, Aid, you know, give him a fucking chance. There's a layer of reason still buried deep within the confines of my booze fried brain. Like, I don't want to just knee jerk leapfrog to hating him. Because then everything just becomes a fucking pantomime, doesn't it? It would be like, and now presenting your new prime minister. Oh, boo! Boo hiss! You know, turn around to my six-year-old like, he's a baddie, that one there. You know, my son's like, are you fucking medicated? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're 41. He's a baddie. Like, we need to be more sportsmanlike with politics sometimes, I think. We need to at least pretend to be gracious. Like, if it's not in your makeup to be gracious and charming about the other side winning and having a prime minister, then just fucking pretend. Pretend to be gracious. Because a bit of disingenuousness about being gracious is far more forgivable and pleasant to be around than you being some, you know, football fan lunatic. Like, I will never shake hands with a Tory. I will spit on a Tory when they, like, you know, it is very football-y. It is very pantomime-y then. I will never shake hands with an Everton fan. Like, that kind of shit. You know? And we all know people like that. When you've rocked up to the pub, and you're like, hey, Rob, this is my mate Phil. He, you know, he supports Everton, but I said he could watch the game with us. James, I will not have his type in my pub. You know, like that sort of tribal fucking nonsense. There are people like that, you know, with fucking football, which doesn't even matter. <laughs> like, football does not matter, really, truly. I know it seems important to some people, and for some people it's a big family thing, like, my dad supported Man U, and his dad supported Man U, and it's all like, we're Man U till we die. I know, I know that you take it seriously, but also, it doesn't fucking matter. It just doesn't. But people do take it that seriously. And, and you know, similarly, in parallel, people take politics very seriously, though, forgivably, you know, it is, it does matter. I don't know, I'm babbling. We all know people like that, though, right? Like with politics, the, you know, the never kissed a Tory T-shirt types. We all know the people who, you know, this is this is entirely forgivable. People who lost their homes in the 90s and they would feel they were betraying the husband they lost when he killed himself off the back of Tory policies back then, you know, or indeed across the austerity years, right? And now, when they get doorstepped by Tory leafleters, understandably, they're like, get the fuck off my porch and off my driveway, or so help me God, I will roll you up in carpet and bury you in the woods. <laughs> they're like, well, well I, I, was just, uh, you know, I was just asking if, you, if, if you'd consider voting for him. If we put his name on a ticket, 
you're going to put his name on a bench if you don't get a fuck out of it. Like, <laughs> that is forgivable, I think. If Tory policies have honestly like robbed you of the father of your children, I think fine. You'd imagine those leafleters like, you know, leaving the driveway. Meow, so much for the tolerant left. <laughs> they would say almost certainly, without a doubt, that is what they would say. So much for the tolerant left. They mutter amongst themselves as they leave some poor widow's property who now lives alone in a council flat because they ostensibly murdered her husband. <laughs> and it's the bloody left that sons civil, Barrington, I tell you, with their, with their words. Oh, they're uncivil. Anyway, pass me the figures you drew up to make it look like we have to send disabled people back to work and slash child benefit. But, but yes, it, it's that woman's words that are uncivil, I tell thee. Anyway, look. Uh, you know, we all, we all know people who reasonably detest Tories. But also, I think there's a place for being a bit of a grown-up, you know, on my side. But they haven't taken my house or murdered my partner yet. <laughs> I mean, they still could. I'm positive. I would not put it past them. If my local MP... Leo Doherty, a conservative, if he was faced with some initiative that meant he'd get something of benefit to the party and get some prestige when he's walking down the corridors of power, but somehow that same thing rendered me homeless and clutching the lifeless body of the mother of my children, he'd be like, yep, approved. I... I <laughs> Like, it wouldn't even take consideration. It wouldn't even be close. It'd be like, yep, approved, signed off immediately, get it done. <laughs> but but that, that guy's going to lose everything. Yeah, but I have to do what's best for the party. Like, <laughs> it's like a Goldman Sachs consultant, you know, buying, shutting down and selling off a chunk of children's playgrounds because they can expect a 0.00. 2% return. <laughs> Just a shitty thing to do for a super modest uptick, you know? Except for the Tories, it'd be something ridiculous. It'd be like, you know, taking your home and letting your family die in the street if it meant they got another box of flags that week. Like, it would be something that ludicrous. Or at least that's how it feels, right? You know, I'm not for a second suggesting that Leo Doherty has signed off on policies that are that harmful. I'm just saying that's how it feels. But as I say, I want to I want I want to exercise some reason here. That's how it feels. But I have to be the bigger man. Maybe. I don't know. I want to be reasonable. I want to be sportsmanlike, you know. And be like, OK, look. He's not my choice for Prime Minister. He's not my party. Not that I really, you know, have a party, but, you know, he's gone on to win it and I'm rooting for him. I'm giving him a chance. You know, I want to be that guy. I want to be that reasonable. And of course, I say I want <laughs> to be that guy because, of course, I am not. 
that guy. I am already fucked off with him. I do already want him to step up. I do think he's already fucking things up beyond what is reasonable. Like, like a lot of people, you know, they got a bit happy a bit quickly, uh, quickly I think, with Sunak. There was quotes going around like, finally, the grown-ups are back. Because Sunak isn't, you know, at least at this moment, appearing to be the same type of cretin they've had in a lot of the senior roles, and indeed the Prime Minister's roles for the last couple of years, right? The grown-ups are back. Well, let's see. I mean, you could put a grown-up in a room, if you like. But if you surround that grown-up with a bunch of fucking children, that is not the grown-ups are black, uh, back. That is a classroom. <laughs> that is what that is. That is an exhausted adult overseeing or, you know, barely supervising a room full of kids that are so unruly, they require an adult supervising, but also who are so poorly behaved and, and devoid of self-responsibility, which is supposed to be their fucking cornerstone, right? That the grown-up... Who's overseeing them could be forgiven for fucking, you know, microdosing that coffee flask with a cheeky brandy to get them through the break uh, through to break time. Like it's it's, you know, that's actually that is what I want to see from Sunak. You know, a lot of people saying at the moment, like what I want to see from Rishi is, you know, him to get a handle on the energy prices. And other people are like, you know, what I want to see from uh, Sunak is a return to accountability well what i want to see from our new prime minister is him emerge from cabinet meetings like a fed up supply teacher you know fag in hand like that ben affleck meme <laughs> where he's smoking to de-stress you know that's what i want to see prime minister how how was your first cabinet meeting oh god they're fucking animals in there that's that's why that is what i want to see from him because that is basically the that seems to be the deal right now. Grant and Suella threw a stapler at Gavin and Kemi just shit herself. It's just, oh, I can't take it. Takes a swig from his brandy thermos. Looks himself in the mirror. Tells himself that he loves his job. Oh, it's, a, it's the job you've always wanted, Rishi. You can, you can do this. It's, it's rewarding. It's... Rishi, you, you love it. You you just go back in there and, and tell them to, to settle down. That is what I want. <laughs> like, I want to be, I'm rooting for you. You know, let's see how you go. We're all Britons together. Let's pull together and get through this dark, challenging, difficult period. I want to be like that. I really do. But here's the thing, right, to be serious for a moment, if you'll indulge me. That attitude has to be reciprocated. I have to see that shit reflected back at me from the Conservatives in a sincere fashion. Not some, you know, focus grouped auto cue, autobot thing going on about delivery and let me be clear. And then, you know, hiding away to have meetings with donors and 
negotiating with different factions to ensure they feel represented over me and people like me. You know, like, like take, the, take the cabinet as is, right? It's only just been announced. And just remember for a second that quote I mentioned earlier, like, the grown-ups are back. The grown-ups are back in charge. Oh, finally. Some responsible, level-headed politicians. Just keep that in your head for a minute. And then focus on this cabinet. Suella Braverman. Braverman. I never know how to pronounce her name. I'm not sure she does either. Suella Braverman fired last week. Last week! For breaking the ministerial code. Now, you can ask yourself, why is she back so soon? Why is someone who was just sacked last week for breaking the ministerial code back in a cabinet role not seven days later? Ask yourself that. And there are no good answers to that question. <laughs> Let me set your expectations at sobbing. There are no good answers to why she's back in cabinet. It is either... Here's, here's your pick and mix. It's either Rishi Sunak felt threatened by her. And so to keep her sweet, he's kept her on as Home Secretary, which suggests there is further instability to come in our governing party. Anyone that thinks, you know, giving someone a cabinet role guarantees undying loyalty... Like oh, if I if I give her this cabinet role, she'll she, she's fine. Yeah, she'll be she'll be grateful and loyal. Anyone who thinks that giving a cabinet role to someone guarantees undying loyalty need only read Boris Johnson's fucking Wikipedia page. <laughs> hmm. Why else might he have given Braverman that post? Maybe she was about to launch a leadership bid herself, or support Johnson. But Sunak made a deal with her, a backroom deal. Like, yes, you're fucking useless. Yes, you broke the code. But if you support Boris Johnson, that might get him over the threshold or empower him in some capacity to take it to the members. And then I'm fucked. So, yes, yes, you can definitely have a job. A backroom deal. Why else might he have given Braverman that post? Remember... <laughs> No good answers to this question. Maybe he genuinely thinks she's good at this. <laughs> Which is quite terrifying. When you remember he's supposed to be like the level-headed grown-up that's back, right? Maybe he genuinely thinks, like it is his judgment, that she is a great politician. He genuinely thinks that is what a good cabinet minister looks, sounds, and performs like. Like, is that it? <laughs> Let's dig deeper. Why else might he have given Braverman that post? Hmm. Blackmail? <laughs> Compromat? Remember, no good answers to this. Does Suella have compromising information about Rishi Sunak? Does she have an MP4 of him sucking off a Silicon Valley recruitment agent. <laughs> Audio of him, perhaps, you know, saying 
he doesn't have any working class friends. No, wait, wait, no, that, that one already leaked out, so it can't be that. Um, but do you see what I mean? Like, there's no good answers to that question. And when I'm faced with this sort of thing, like, I often think to myself, you know, what is the most likely, what, what is the most probable, based on all of the information that we have, what we've lived through over the last couple of years, how these people have behaved before in various positions. And I think on the balance of probabilities, the most likely reason that Suella Braverman is back as Home Secretary is that she did a deal in that very short leadership race. Which is probably not the most revelatory answer. Not the most, you know, shocking thing. She did this deal. Look, I'll support you if you, you know. But it does yield a question, doesn't it? A wider, more disturbing question, which is, what kind of government is this? Where key positions, the great offices of state, which I think is, what is it? Home office, foreign office, chancellor, I think education secretary. Is that it? There's four of them. The key roles are being handed over over little more than blackmail, right? Which is a sensible, essentially what it is, isn't it? Like, I'll support you if you do this shit for me, you know? Like, if I had information, <laughs> if I possessed some information that was, you know, unhelpful to the Sunak campaign, and I tried to, you know, bargain with them maliciously, like some sort of Machiavellian, uh, you know, morals all over the place kind of shadowy figure. Like, here's, here's how that sort of conversation should go in a quote-unquote grown-ups scenario. Here's how you would like to think this kind of shit would operate, right? It should go like this, right? So I pick up the phone, I go, hey, yeah, Tom, it's uh, Zaid. Uh, look, I know, I know Rish, Rishi wants to go for prime minister, but I'm thinking of supporting Penny. Oh no, Aid, no, no, that's that's the wrong move. Her her, her policies on um, X and Y are all over the shop. She hasn't fallen. Through. Yeah, yeah, but she's Tom. She's got the volunteer navy experience that I think the nation needs right now. Oh, Aid, you're being ridiculous. You, you know, she's unqualified. She's in over her head. Right. Yeah. Well, um, listen, Tom. I suppose I could be persuaded, you know, if you were willing to scratch my back, maybe I could, uh, you know, lick your balls. I, I don't follow, dear boy. Well, I mean, look, if you if you give me, say, um, you know, Home Secretary, right? Yes. I could be persuaded to find it in my heart to support rishi sunak for prime minister i i don't understand i i thought you said penny had the experience that we need right now yes it is but listen tom what i'm saying is i could support your guy if you reward me with a ministerial position and a flat and a limousine you want to bribe me you want to what for your vote and public endorsement well you know bribe is a bribe is a big word Bribe is a dirty word, Tom. Ed, this is tantamount to blackmail. You are attempting to solicit a key role 
from His Majesty's government to further your own political career, and I shall be reporting you to the Standards Committee. So I shouldn't bother Penny with an endorsement either, if I were you, because by 4pm, your name is going to be mud. Good day. <laughs> I'd be like, no, no, wait, 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 Tom, 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 I was kidding. Tom, no, don't, don't do that. Please, please, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll suck your dick. You see, again with the bribes. You, you can't help yourself, can you? Like, that's, that is how that shit should go. You attempt to solicit something off the back of your endorsement for nefarious means and malicious, you know, it's just, uh, it just shouldn't work the way that it obviously appears to be working. The way that it should go is that sort of, you know, hardline, total non-compliance with anything even resembling blackmail or bribery or backroom deals. Because apart from anything else, right, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass, right? I mean, they must understand that. It's going to cause you problems further down the line. It just fucking is. Because does anyone seriously expect Braverman to be a good home secretary? Really? Braverman, up at the dispatch box last week, not answering questions, but fucking norovirusing a load of shit about tofu and the wokarati and remainer coups and you know just anti-intellectual brain dead shit blasting out of her in every direction you know you you would get more sense playing trivial pursuit in a fucking psych ward you'd be like yep and um every, everybody ready yeah what p is a country that sits next to Argentina. Yes, Mavis. Mavis, you, you got your hand up. Do you know the answer? It's a conspiracy! Plotters are out to get us! <laughs> you know, a couple of ward staff are like, oh, not again. Just set, settle down. I told you not to give her coffee. How many times? Crazy bitch going nutty. You know, fucks around, makes a break for it. <laughs> Run, runs out the ward. And seven minutes later, two orderlies, like, see a hospital fire escape open and, you know, blowing in the wind. They're like, ah, oh, she got out again. Fucking hell. Fire the alarm off. <laughs> woo, woo. You know, it's like they have to go and tell the, you know, lead doctor on staff or something. Like, Dr. Roberts, she's she's escaped again. I'm really sorry. I, I don't know where she is. I mean, she could be anywhere. One of them interrupts the phone call. <laughs> like, Jamie, Jamie, look up at the TV. Look. And she's so fucking paranoid and batshit that in the seven minutes that she's got out of the psych ward, the Tory party have bumped into her and given her a fucking cabinet role and thrown her on the morning news rounds. <laughs> that is the level that Suella Braverman pitches at. Just a fucking, you know, overramped, hyperbolic, paranoid nonsense. That is her genre. That is her category. Or I don't know, like, you know, her other thing is just, I blame stuff on woke, you know, or um, what's her other thing? Like, I'm I'm over promoted like these. These are her things. None of them good. In fact, like maybe those two should be the other way around. Like she's over promoted. And so she blames stuff on woke, you know. Like that person in your office who like. You know, by hook or by crook, they got promoted into a role they are ferociously unqualified for <laughs> and they can't handle. So now when they inevitably fuck up, 
they persistently blame it on everyone else. We all know that kind of person, right? That's her. You know, she's shit, so it's all woke's fault. That's her thing. She's like a, like a, you know, a lazy fairground worker. You know, like I, I know it's my job to make sure the fairground rides are constructed safely, but uh, you know, the uh, the, 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 the the spanners that you gave me are they're um too shiny. You know, something like that. You know, that's her vibe, to my mind. When she was made um, Attorney General, do you remember that? And she waved through... Was it? Am I remembering this right? She waved through the international law-breaking and the proroguing and criminalised or, you know, sought to criminalise asylum seekers who dinghy cross the English Channel, right? That was her, I think. Actually, no, maybe it was Geoffrey Cox that he was like the limited and specific way breach guy right but the, i'm pretty sure the others were her she was definitely a laughable attorney general anyway so we had this over promoted awful cretin in a key role and then after she's demonstrated nay celebrated that cretiny on the world stage like jamie out guys say i eat crayons <laughs> And the rest of the world's like, that's your attorney general. I thought I thought someone had won a competition to come here for the day. Like that's your that is seriously your AG, is it? For real. Jesus Christ. After seeing that shit, that performance, does anyone or did anyone honestly think, yeah, this is the best and brightest for the home office? <laughs> we should hire her. What was that shit last week she came out with? Last week or the week before? Um, Ms. Breverman, um, what are your goals and uh, your aspirations for the uh, Home Office? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. It is my dream to see a flight of the most desperate people displaced further and flown to a country that was on fucking Human Rights Watch only a couple of years ago. That is what I'm shooting for. And, you know, you can you can call me a dreamer. But a girl can dream. That is the... That's Braverman. Two weeks ago. I dream... I dream that I can fly people off to Rwanda. Asylum seekers. Thrown into another foreign country. So when they say the grown-ups are back. Or, you know, a new dawn. As the mail put out yesterday. Like, you know. Like this is some sort of reset, a return to accountability and all that. How do you get Suella Braverman in that? How do you square that circle when you're hiring Braverman back in? You know, either it's not a grown-up administration, in which case, you know, by all means, load up on the tedious culture war nonsense on the tofu comments, on the fucking, you know, blaming it on the woke karate or all that shit. Either it's not a grown-up administration, or it is a grown-up administration, but it's sacrificed its integrity to, de to do a deal with her, in which case accountability is out the fucking window. It, it, those are your choices. Either it's a grown-up administration in which case, get rid of Braverman, or it's not a grown-up administration, 
and accountability is out the window. Like, it's, do you understand what I mean? Those are your choices. Like, I want to be reasonable. I really want to be the guy that's like, yeah, he's not my first pick, but we're rooting for him. But how can I do that? How can any of us do that when on day two, <laughs> we're like, oh, here we go, you know? How can we be expected to root for them when the fabric of this government is so obviously woven, for want of a better word, by people who are like, yeah, this guy over here or, or that woman over there, they had a master's in international law and they've worked in New York and Tokyo and, you know, they've chaired the Home Affairs Committee and it, all of their colleagues say that they know what needs to be done to bring the police and the legal systems into the 21st century. They are perfect. Oh, and we checked the WIP spreadsheet and we don't even think there's any scandals bubbling under that would cause them to resign in eight months and, you know, cause further instability. Honestly, this person over here would be perfect for Home Secretary to serve the interests of the people. But if we give it to Suella, <laughs> well, that is better for my leadership campaign. Like, how can you, how are you supposed to root for people to set them up for success when their literal attitude to me and my concerns is... You know, basically, oh, him. You know, law enforcement to protect him and his family. Nah, fuck him. Fuck him, his family, his society, his town, his police force, the judicial system. Fuck all of it. <laughs> What's he going to do? Pull his endorsement? You think I care about the political of endorsement? Political endorsement, sorry, of, of a 41-year-old man-child in his hoodie with his skateboard fuck him and his entire family get Suella in. Like, that is, you know, basically what it comes down to. It's not what's best for the home office. It's not what's best for the, the country. It's fuck you. Get Suella in. She is politically convenient to me right now. And so she's back. Who else is it? Kemi Badenoch is back. Hooray. Hooray for diversity. I mean, everyone always wanks themselves limp over diversity within the Conservative Party. And I get it, right? I understand that it's important to have representation in the highest of political offices. But Kemi Badenoch is like a, you know, she's the opposite of a win for diversity. She's a net loss. <laughs> Like, if you were a black teenage girl and you saw Badenoch as equalities minister, you might think to yourself, yeah, all right. You know, fuck the glass ceiling. Black women can do it. I'm inspired. I mean, you know, I get a 5% interview callback rate compared to white people with, you know, white sounding names. And my brother gets stopped by the Met about three times a week. And, uh... My dad was first to get made redundant because the other employees mostly went to the same private school as each other. But you know, my, my entire existence is ravaged by inequality. But Kemi Badenoch is a minister now. I wonder if I could ask her how she overcame these obstacles to, to become a government minister. Maybe she could inspire me. So, you know, she calls Badenoch. And she lays it all out for Kemi Badenoch, ready to be inspired. 
because Badenoch has reached heights that this poor girl never dreamed that a black woman could reach in the United Kingdom with the lived experiences that she's lived. She picks up the phone. She's like, my dad worked in a members club and he was made redundant by a bunch of private school twats. And my brother lost his job last week because the police stopped him again on the way to do a pickup. And so he was late. And I never seem to get called for interviews, even though my CV is the same as my white friends. So how did you succeed? How did you get past all of the institution of... Bad knocks, like, don't say it. Do not say that. <laughs> and this poor, you know, black teenage girl is like, don't, don't say what? Institutional racism. Like, that is, that is what this is. Bad knocks, like, um, no. <laughs> what, what do you mean, no? That is, that's what this is, top to bottom. Industry agnostic. We're getting fucked in every direction. Like a goddamn Brazzers clip. How do you overcome that, equalities minister? <laughs> Bad knock would be like, well, you know, I I overcame it by, um, uh, by well, because uh, it doesn't exist. <laughs> and this, you know, poor black teenage girl is like, Right, well, this is a different conversation than I was hoping for at uh, at my school's Black Opportunity and Inspiration Day. <laughs> Bad knock would be like, well, you know, you just work hard, like I did. And then this this is what I would love to see somebody ask the question to Bad knock. Like, you know, this, this girl would then say, OK, well, here's a fun question for you, Ms. Bad knock. If institutional racism doesn't exist... If it doesn't exist, if it's just a myth, if it's a phantom problem that the left just like to keep wheeling on out, if institutional racism doesn't exist, why do we need an equalities minister? Because fucking job done, right? <laughs> Surely you should resign. Just put your little red box down. Tell the limo driver to take the day off. It's not a problem, is it? Why do we need an equalities minister? She'd be like, oh, well, I, um, uh, well, you know, we, I still, I still think we need me and my limo and flat to just, you know, keep an eye on things. <laughs> Check those, uh, evil racisms don't come back is, uh, yeah. And the girl's like, uh-huh. <laughs> Even the idea of a Tory equalities minister feels like we're being trolled doesn't it <laughs> tory equalities minister like really inequality in the uk has soared in the last 12 years while they've been in power just chronic underfunding you know the schools hospitals support structures walk-in centers domestic violence shelters Universal credits, school meals, fucking everything has gotten shitter and more expensive. And it hits the poorest hardest, right? And, and then Sunak comes in with a new Tory equalities minister. Like, are you for real, mate? <laughs> Tory equalities minister. That's like, that's like if, you know, Trump had a secretary of state for healthy eating. <laughs> like Buck here is going to take a look at how we can make the country eat healthier 
Mr. Trump. He's clutching his chest. What's he saying? He's he's begging for an ambulance. Does he have insurance? I, I don't think so. Oh, dear. So sad. So sad. <laughs> anyway, next up, Secretary of State for Financial Affairs, uh, my friend, Bernie Madoff. Like, you know, that's kind of how bad it is, how ridiculous it is having a Tory equalities minister. Christ. Yes, I'm here to look after equalities. That's what I'm here to, to look after. You can all breathe a sigh of relief because a Tory is here to look into this inequality problem that has ad hoc randomly sprung up over the last 12 years that we've been in power. <laughs> like, what the fuck are they going to do? Are they honestly going to sit down and listen to people talk about how inequality affects them? Is that, re is that in the brief? For a Tory equalities minister? You know, sit them down, get somebody who's just, you know, racked and riddled with inequality. Well, here's, here's a thing, yeah. I went for three jobs all in call centres and, and all of them told me that I don't talk nice enough, right? So I'm still unemployed, suffering from inequality. Same for me, brethren. But this is how some people talk, right? So anyway, right, I was thinking this feels like something for the inequalities minister to, to look into, yeah? Like, does my, does my voice sound that bad to you? And she'd be like, well, it sounds, um, it sounds, it sounds all right, doesn't it? This is how some people talk. It sounds all right. Well, it's, how do I put this? It sounds like you just need to work harder, Tyrone. <laughs> and he'd be like, my name's Kevin. She'd be like, well, whatever. Looks around at her team like, oh, can we wrap this up? Are we done here? Like, So this cabinet is already a shit show, isn't it? Like, can we just agree on that? Braverman as homesick. Badenoch as equalities. Hunt staying on as chancellor makes sense, you know, given the crossfire hurricane that he steadied a couple of weeks ago. But then there's, you know... Cleverly <laughs> and Dowden. Oh, you know, it's just another couple of insufferable, talentless culture war cretins. Cleverly, of course, you know, infamously presided over that department that changed CCHQ's Twitter name to Fact Check UK in the middle of a general election debate. What kind of conduct is that? Misrepresenting your government Twitter handle as as Fact Check UK so you can muddy the waters and mislead voters. What kind of conduct is that? And to have that rewarded with another government role, you know, another cabinet position. Dowden, who flew off to the States to give a lecture about the dangers of wokery and council culture. Dowden, back in cabinet. Like, I understand why Johnson put these people front and centre. Because he'd hemorrhaged any political talent when he hitched his banner so entirely and totally to Brexit, didn't he? Like, if you weren't on board the Brexit train, if you weren't with Johnson, 
Well, then you were a dangerous threat to the Emperor, and you should be deselected and ostracized post-haste. So the moderates all left, or got switched out of their constituencies, and, you know, that was the 2019 election. And so now you have this dearth of talent. But are we seriously saying there's, there's no new talent? There's no new people who are actually mature and measured, right? Following that 2019 election, nobody sensible came in. And so you got these, what, like fucking low rent, high risk lunatics, you know, devoid of credibility. No experience. People like fucking, you know, Scott Benton. He represents uh, Blackpool. Blackpool. Blackpool South, I think. And Blackpool has the highest number of food banks in the UK, or at least did when I first started trolling him. Like, this is a guy who came in <laughs> in the 2019 lot representing Blackpool South and almost immediately starts taking money from gambling companies. <laughs> Three and a half grand tickets to the Euros. Seven and a half grand from the betting and gaming council. Just money coming in. You know, no experience, low rent, high risk, fucking new MPs to replace the ones that had any integrity and reason to them. In this guy comes, starts taking money and lo and behold, starts asking questions and speaking up about gambling reputation. Sorry, gambling regulation. Can't speak today. In, in the Houses of Parliament. Do you see what I mean? In comes this guy with no experience. Money from the gambling industry, and there he is in the Houses of Parliament speaking up for them. Low rent, high risk. I mean, I, I think I said this before, like, either on, on the podcast or, um, or TikTok. I can't remember which now. But, like, is there some way that we can repackage these motherfuckers' salaries as a donation? You know, is there some way we can do that so they get confused <laughs> and actually take the requirements that come with the money seriously? So they, you know, they're at least half incentivized to serve our fucking interests. Like, how is how is an eighty four thousand pound salary not more influential to his questions in Parliament and conduct than a fucking seven grand donation? Like, who do I need to speak to at Tory HR? to put Scott Benton's salary in a brown envelope <laughs> and just hand it to him with a little wink. You know, maybe I could have a little dictaphone in my pocket playing evil music, you know, just to really <laughs> set the scene as properly, like as I'm giving him the envelope. I'll put on like a, you know, uh, a comedic evil voice, cartoony voice. Here you go, Scotty. Next time you're in the house, would you mind, uh, you know, Doing what's necessary. He'd be like, you what? I, th I think he's not the... You what? Well, there's, uh... There's 84,000 pounds in here, so just, uh... <laughs> ask what we're doing about, uh... Food banks. If you... Catch my drift. <laughs> like, I'm not even using food banks as a metaphor. But saying, you know, saying... If you catch my drift just makes it sound way more evil. <laughs> Doesn't it? Just hand him the brown envelope with his money in it. 
with evil voice and then the evil music and the dictaphone coming out. Ask what they're doing about debt, poverty, and, uh, you know, I know you like gambling. Ask them what they're doing to help gambling addicts, one of whom in Blackpool, no less, gambled £180,000 of children's care companies' cash in your town. So serious is this gambling addiction problem. Ask them what they're doing about that, Scotty, if you catch my drift. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yes, sir, I catch it, because, you know, saying everything actually very clearly with uh, with no ambiguity whatsoever <laughs> oh good so uh here's the envelope thanks and uh yes i will now serve your interests shadowy individual meeting me in a underground car park like that guy is real by the way like his his name is mark rogers the guy that gambled away the money for a children's care company he ran a company called r2 services no r2 care services i think it was and he cleaned out the fucking accounts. By the by, the time he was done chasing his gambling debt, there was four pounds left in in the company's account. He'd gambled away a hundred and eighty grand, and that happened in Blackpool. <laughs> and the story's on like Lancashire Live, and it's Scott's constituency, right? Scott Benton, and this motherfucker's up in the house, like. Do we really need more regulation? <laughs> Can we not, you know, just yeah, legislate gambling like in a sort of, you know, in an easy, you know, cut the red tape value. Let's not subscribe to anti-gambling ideology, please. You know, let's not govern this issue effectively. Let's not regulate it. It's like, Mr. Benton, have you taken money from the gambling industry? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Like, it's so obvious, like... Oh, got to stop myself going off on a right rant here. Anyway, where was I? Right, so Benton is one of the 2019 lot. And I think... Who else? Like, Ben Bradley was too, I think. He was another Red Wall guy, I think. Um, I assume he was voted in in 2019. I, I could be wrong. But he's another low-rent, high-risk bellend, right? He was the guy saying that we shouldn't give kids free school meals because giving an extra 20 quid to their parents would just end up in a crack den or a brothel like that was the type of shit he was coming out with low rent high risk like how could anyone <laughs> this is what gets me how could anyone think people like these would make suitable candidates let alone an actual mp let alone an actual MP being considered for media rounds or, God forbid, a ministerial position. And, like, you know, you'd like to tell yourself the reason why these two individuals are not being given ministerial roles is because, you know, you tell yourself, oh, you know, they've been overlooked for ministerial roles by Sunak. And so, you know, maybe that suggests that Sunak sees them as... Uh, too inexperienced or you know too risky but the truth is they're probably just not heavyweight enough yet you know they're not there yet kemi badenoch was only elected in 2017 and she went for the fucking leadership in july and i reckon you could make a solid case that she's only in cabinet right now because she went for that leadership because as a candidate various outlets owed her 
equal time, maybe, you know, as Truss and Sunak and Morden. And so she raised that profile. And so, you know, consequently, now she's, quote unquote, you know, a bit of a heavyweight, a bit of a big name. And because, you know, she's raised that profile last week, she was in a position to say to Sunak, like, all right, bro, make me a minister and I will fall back. But it's not because she's a grown up, not because she's the best person for the job. Because, you know, I don't know, through a mixture of opportunism and desperation, Sunak is cornered and he's like, oh, I guess, fine. <laughs> right? I mean, that is exactly what's happened. We, can we all agree that that is at least what appears to have happened? So that's the Home Office and Equality's both set up for success. Sure. Great. Can't wait to see how they turn out. Rob is back as just Justice Minister. The same guy who, what, like lost his job last time as foreign sec for taking a holiday while Afghanistan burned, while Afghanistan collapsed. He was like, yeah, well, I don't see why I should, you know, cut my, uh, cut my holiday short. I don't see why that should happen. Making him arguably, you know, the second worst foreign secretary in British politics. Um... That's a fun question to ponder on, isn't it? That is a fun question. Let me throw this one at you guys. Who was a, f who was a worse foreign secretary, Boris Johnson or Dominic Raab? I mean, it is, it is a tough call, is it not? Certainly a tougher call than Raab made to Johnson when he was like, do you mind if I just stay out here? From oh, no, 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 it's fine, fine, fine. Finish your holiday, dear boy. Like, that was not a tough call, seemingly. But it is a tough call. Who was the worst foreign secretary, Johnson or Raab? Johnson, it was said, never read his brief. They were so confident he didn't read his brief that they started injecting nonsense into his brief just to see if he would pick up, and he never did. Like that was, I'm sure I read that in The Guardian or The Independent or something. Um, couldn't be asked. And then so, you know, subsequently, when you don't read your shit, like you fuck things up, right? And with, with Johnson, you get this idea that he was just a layabout, you know, this privileged, wine-swelling liability, right? you know, getting blowjobs in his office and fucking around and, you know, getting some poor lady jailed for five years. But that, that's Johnson. With Rob, it's more like he did read his brief. He got the sense that he did do the homework-ish, but he just didn't care you know he just didn't give a fuck that's that's what i always got the sense of with rob who's worse out of those two personalities do you think the guy who doesn't care to read the brief no matter the human cost or the guy that does care to read the brief but doesn't care <laughs> in spite of what what he's read doesn't care the repercussions of you know what he does or does not do in response to that. Which of those is worse? I suppose they're different. You'd, you'd need a, a chart of psychopathy, you know, to pinpoint where those two personalities sit. Who's worse? The guy that doesn't, that truly doesn't give a fuck so much that he will not read his brief or the guy that does bother to care to read it so he saves his job so he can answer two or three questions out of 10 credibly, but truly doesn't care 
again about the repercussion i don't know i don't know the answer to that question but both of them you know from what i understand and remember this isn't the bbc i don't claim to be impartial or indeed to get my facts 100 percent right but both of them <laughs> fucking off their responsibilities out of you know a lust for hed hedonism so to speak right you know rob on his boogie board sunning himself on the beach Johnson getting sucked off by his then PA or whatever she was. I don't know. Like, it's funny. You say this stuff out loud and you realise how obvious, obviously, like, ridiculous the whole, like, that, that Tory attitude of, like, well, you know, you work hard. That's how you achieve things, just like I did. You know, that sort of stuff. You realise how ridiculous that is when they come out with that stuff when you observe their own behaviour, their own conduct, and how they're rewarded for shit. When they come out with that stuff, what you do is you keep your head down and you get on. And if you work hard enough, you too could be able to scale the professional and political heights that Dominic Raab, Kemi, and Suella have. It's like, bro, you haven't worked hard. None of you have achieved fucking anything. <laughs> Have any of you elected public servants actually served the public with one discernible success, one benefit in the years, literal years, in the decade you've been in power? Are you in cabinet because you're good at what you do? Are you, really? Or is it because you flipped allegiance at the last minute or at the right time, thus jeopardizing the smooth running of a government department because th there's probably a good candidate out there that should have got that job but you flipped at the right time and blackmailed and bribed to get in there so you jeopardized the smooth running of that department so you could get in there and then further your career well i worked hard to get where i am and you could too it's such horseshit none of these people are qualified for these jobs this is not a fresh start this is not the grown-ups are back. This is a cabinet of careerists and compromisers. Grant Shapps is back. I mean, do we even need to talk about... Have we got time to talk about him? <laughs> the same guy that used three aliases. Pretended to be, quote, Michael Green. So he could run a web marketing company on the side. <laughs> And didn't declare it as a second job. That guy. That guy is now business secretary. It is beyond satire. Made up people with web marketing companies that come out with shit like, you too could make a ton of cash by Christmas. Like, that was his thing, according to The Guardian, at least. That guy is now business secretary. He is going to be deciding what is good for British businesses <laughs> well okay all right i guess the nigerian prince that keeps emailing me was busy guys that's it uh for this episode um really hope the uh these solo episodes are as enjoyable for you as they are for me uh to spit venom to spit fire into the mic for an hour um we're having our first meetup tomorrow night in london at Brick Lane Tap Rooms. I'm super excited about it. I get to meet uh, 14 of my Patreon backers. 
who continue to support the show and uh, and they are you know it is it's super supportive and it's helping the show grow and i think when we get to 25 i'm gonna do like because i keep joking about it being a cult join my binfluencer cult um uh, and when it gets to 25 i'm gonna try and get as many of them as possible into a venue in london i i know it's i feel bad about it being sort of london centric but i'm an hour from london and it's you know it makes sense to do it there so most people can get there you know if if there's enough notice in advance so i'm I'm gonna do a very culty sunday sermon (laughs) of sorts and get some stand-up friends down maybe to do some sets and i'll see if i can get some uh some friendly faces from the podcast like historical guests see if we can get people like super tansky or davy moo or uh, john left of the countryside down um and yeah i'm really really looking forward to that so if you'd like to get invited to that next meetup uh that will probably take place in i guess january or february sort of time and that's in addition to the comedy thing that i'm going to try and put on with with tan with super tansky also in february so if you want to get first look access to either of those things jump on the patreon now uh the tiers there's three tiers you can jump on they start at three pounds and you get early access first look access to the podcast two days ahead of everyone else you get to jump on the discord chat where we talk shit about tories a lot and uh, share memes with one another you get the rss feed to the podcast so you can just pop it into your podcast player um we're doing yeah the in-person meetups and there's going to be exclusive content for patreon backers coming up in the new year so super psyched about all of that oh fuck final thing uh you get credited at the end of the show guys if you back the show on patreon i will read out your names as all-round good eggs as fellow influencers as the most booge members of society that one can imagine. Let's go through them now. Thank you so much to each of the following for continuing to support. Uh, there's, uh, by the way, some of these names might not be their real names. You need to, the, I'm just going to say that now. Okay. Uh, Pingu, David. Uh, in fact, we'll do, should we do surnames? Is that too intrusive? I don't know. Pingu, David V, Alex S, Aaron D, Alex T, Chris D, uh, Rax, Ricardo, Silence, T-Rex, Oliver, Sarah, Paul, and Kerry. Thank you so much to each of you. Really psyched about meeting those of you who can make it to London tomorrow at uh, Brick Lane. And uh, hopefully I shall be meeting a lot more of you in the new year. Uh, thanks once again. I'll be back on Friday night, hopefully with a guest. And until next time, keep it hashtag booge. Keep it strictly Bimfluencer. We outie.